Hi, I'm Melina Morrison, CEO of the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals. Welcome to the Cooperative Farming podcast series. Cooperative farming is designed to support farmers, fishers and foresters through the formation and growth of new farming cooperatives. Today we'll hear from Natalie Browning of Cooperative Bulk Handling or CBH. Natalie's story demonstrates how being part of a collective can really bring opportunities to the individual. Member of CBH for 14 years, now she sits at the table as the deputy chair of Australia's largest cooperative. It's also Australia's fourth largest unlisted private company. The first is I'm, I'm passionate and I absolutely love everything I do and it's such a privilege to be in a leadership role at CBH. Um, it, it's a role that, you know, not a lot of people get to experience. So I'm just driven to make sure that I've got the skills I need um, to, to manage um, or to help govern our co-op and help steer it forward. So I think, you know, my accounting and business law degree, Bachelor of Commerce, that really equips me with the skills I need in the boardroom. Natalie's truly inspiring. Along with her role at CBH, she's part of a family farming business. She's mum of three primary school kids, and she's also studying a Bachelor of Commerce. Her passion for what she does is really the driving force behind what is a very full life and career. Here's our host, renowned agricultural journalist, Pete Lewis. Enjoy. Now we're joined by a farmer and leader of one of Australia's best known and most recognised cooperatives, the Cooperative Bulk Handling Organisation, CBH. It has set the bar for innovation and in an excellent model of how big you can get by combining resources and knowledge. Natalie Browning is a farmer based in the wheat belt in Western Australia on a 100% cropping enterprise of 7,500 hectares. The Brownings grow wheat, barley, lupins, and sometimes canola. Natalie started farming at 17 when she met her fourth generation farmer husband, Carl Browning. She became a member of CBH when she got married and 14 years later, she's one of the leaders in this Australia's biggest farming cooperative, driving innovation and membership as CBH's deputy chair. Natalie, it is great to have you on the, to connect with you into the Wheatbelt and WA and you've had a bit of rain. Yeah, thanks, Pete. It's great to be here with you today. Yes, we've been lucky enough to have some rain over the last couple of days and we're, we're getting down to the business end of the season, so it's always welcomed. Fantastic. Natalie, CBH was created almost 90 years ago. Can you tell us what your co-op does and how did it start? Yep, sure. Yes, yeah, so CBH Group um, is a, Australia's largest cooperative, as you said, formed many years ago in 1933. Owned and controlled by about 3,900 West Australian grain growers. And CBH's sole purpose is to get our growers' grain from their farm to the international markets at the lowest price possible while providing a good service in doing that. At the core of CBH is, is one, one true value, um, and that is to sustainably create and return value to WA growers. And that hasn't changed since CBH um, was first founded in 1933. So CBH Group has over, uh, today it has over $2 billion in assets and it has annual revenue, which sometimes exceeds $4 billion. 
has 1,100 permanent staff and uh, at harvest time when we're taking the grain from October through to January, there's an extra 1,800 casual staff that come on board. Um, a bit of the history behind CBH, the CBH group was first formed during or just after the Great Depression and back in those days, wheat was stored in 20 kilo hessian bags. So growers got together and recognised that having a cheap and efficient bulk handling system would greatly reduce growers' costs um, and also strengthening the wheat industry, which was really struggling in Western Australia at the time. The CBH group started with five trial sites and in its first year it received 42,000 tonne. Over, over a period of time, uh, there were up to 300 network sites um, and as farmers have grown bigger and um, technology innovation have come on board, the sites have consolidated down to 100. And if you think back to the, the first harvest of 42,000 tonnes, two harvests ago, um, we took over 16.5 million tonnes. Um, we've got enough storage capacity for 20 million tonnes. So quite an extraordinary story. Indeed. It's often said that pressure makes diamonds. I imagine there must have been some very larger-than-life and very determined characters at the genesis of, of CBH. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think to um, be brave enough to take the leap to start CBH Group takes a lot of courage. And it's just amazing to think that over the past 87 years, what it started out as to what it's grown into today, a largest, uh, Australia's largest cooperative that's been owned and controlled and governed by farmers for 87 years, the fourth largest private company in Australia. Yeah, it's just an amazing story. And I think the growers of today will be forever grateful that growers back then had the foresight and the courage truly delivers the biggest benefit to growers. Natalie, tell us a little about the structure of, of CBH. It's obviously been intrinsically important to its, its continued viability and success. Yeah, absolutely. So the CBH group is a uh, non-distributing co-op, so it effectively operates as a, a not-for-profit organisation. So it's quite unique where the, the owners of the business are also the customers and the sole beneficiary of the business. So very different to a corporate structure where the aim of a corporate structure is obviously to make profits to return to shareholders. There are no shareholders or the, or the shareholders in CBH Group are the owners and the customers. So the whole purpose is to drive costs as low as possible while delivering good service. There's no profit margin that has to be built in to deliver to an external third party and everything that, that growers generate is returned back to growers um, in the source of better services growing the business or in the form of rebates. Now, look, your pricing structure is uh, really differentiates you uh, as well in that you have lower prices compared to many other grain traders working off a rolling five-year average. How does, how does CBH manage this? Yeah, sure. So we, have a, we work off a, a rolling five-year average. So we're very reliant on the, the size of the grain crop and that's our, our sole source of revenue. So as you can imagine, take the last two years, for example, two years ago, we had a harvest of over 16 million tonne. Last year, we had a harvest of 9.7 million. So the fluctuations in revenue can be massive and we need to make sure that we're not charging growers too much money, but we also need to make sure that we're, we're covered for the poor growing seasons and that we've got enough, we're generating enough revenue to run the business. So there's a lot of analysis that goes into that. We look through the cycle and work on long-term averages or five-year rolling averages. We've got a lot of seasonal variability and also farming practices are just improving um, year on year. So that's also taken into account. Once it's grown and turned up at one of your silos, uh, 
where does it go next and who controls that? Is CBH involved right through to the port and beyond? Yeah, absolutely. So CBH is involved from the receival site right through to the port. So once the grain's received on site, CBH has its own dedicated rail fleet. Where possible, um, we take as much grain as we can on rail, keep it off the roads and it's the most viable transport method. What doesn't go on rail goes by truck to ports. So we've got four strategically located ports throughout Western Australia. And, and once it gets to port, CBH Group exports approximately 98% of the, well, CBH acquires 90% of the WA harvest into its receival sites. And of that 90%, approximately 98% goes through those four ports to our international markets right around the world. Now, as we've heard, as we go through this series, cooperative members all need to be very much engaged in the process for it to work and to work effectively. With so many members and such a large area, how do you keep everybody uh, working together and pointed in the same direction? It must be a constant focus. As as a cooperative, having a social licence among your your membership vapes is really important. We put a, a lot of effort into staying connected to our growers. We cover a very big area. The CBH board has a a more active role with members and perhaps some private companies. There's a lot of CEO management grower roadshows that happen and we have a a dedicated team of business relationship managers that are out in the field assisting growers whenever needed. So it's a constant to keep your members engaged and and, um, supportive of the co-op. It's just always going to be at the forefront of your mind. You've got to have a good culture. There's a saying uh, that a co-op expert from the US said to me last year that within a co-op, you've got to make sure that frictions don't turn into fractures and you've got to have that at some stage, there is going to be frictions amongst your membership base uh, and differing opinions, but you've just got to be constantly working to prove the only reason you're there is for the benefit of WA growers. You've got all those rugged individualists uh, with, I imagine, very strong opinions sometimes on, on the very key issues. The fact that you've had so much skin in the game for so long proves that culture thing you talked about must be very much front of mind, no matter who's running the place, who's chairman, who's deputy chair at any one particular point in time. Yes, spot on. I think culture is just absolutely number one and and culture and good governance run hand in hand together. And that culture must start from the top. And we always challenge ourselves to make sure our culture is set right at board level, which then flows through through our management team right down to our frontline. And it's our frontline workers that interact with growers every day. And it's important that they feel passionate about the co-op as well, understand the benefit and they're championing our co-op model. So, yeah, cultures, it's just number one. And, you know, CBH is such a valuable asset, grown to such a valuable asset when there is a little bit of dissent among the grower base. We've constantly got to be demonstrating to people why the co-op structure is the best structure for this business and and why we believe any other structure will lead to higher costs and and ultimately some some of the more marginal farming areas perhaps not getting the service that they get today. Over that period, you've amassed a a very, very impressive inventory of assets. I guess it it, it actually goes well beyond the business of just growing grain. You you, you know, in all the significant parts of the operation, the transport, the logistics, and and obviously the sale of your product. It's a a pretty amazing thing to bite off and chew, isn't it? Yeah, it is amazing. If you you sit back and think uh, the assets that growers have built up and paid for over the years. We've got 100 strategic network sites with $20 million grain storage capacity. 
We have four strategically located ports around the state. We have a, a dedicated rail fleet. Our marketing and trading team actually purchase between 60, 30 and 60% of the crop, um, which takes a lot of the risk off growers and move that crop into the international market. We've also got various investments, including flour mills in Southeast Asia. Off the top of my head, I believe they produce about 1.5 million tonne of flour per year. Um, we also have two oat processing plants. It's an amazing asset. And yeah, just to, to think what growers have done, I'm forever grateful um, as a younger generation grower and have got kids um, that want to go farming. Forever grateful for the previous generations for this just amazing asset they've built up for us. And an important part of having all those assets is the sharing component, because not everybody needs to absolutely own every little bit of kit. And that, I guess, also goes for sharing not only equipment, plant and equipment, but resources, data, and critically these days, knowledge. Is that a big part of the story? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're just at the start of our data journey and, and getting back to sharing. We always make sure that all growers throughout CBH are treated equitably and, and equitably doesn't always mean equally, but we always need to govern and control CBH as a whole for the viability of all farmers. So sometimes that does cause a few frustrations, particularly when we're rationalising the network and, and things that we need to do to, to make the business remain viable. With relation to data, growers receive massive amounts of data and analysis on their farm today. And there is a lot of talk about how we can utilise that data to help make growers more internationally competitive and more efficient in their businesses. Data, we're finding data is very closely held by growers and rightly so, and growers are quite private about their data. So if as a co-op, we want to share data for the benefit of our growers and share growers' data, we've been sent a really clear message that one, growers want to know that that data is going to be protected and, and remains within their ownership and it's their data. And the second one is we need to be able to demonstrate to growers that we can use that data to, for the benefit of their business, for the benefit of the co-op, for the benefit to make them uh, more efficient, more profitable and more competitive in the globalised environment in which we compete. And I guess one of the significant challenges just in, in terms of harvesting all that data is strong, reliable connections in the part of the world where you are. What's the story in terms of your ability to tap into the World Wide Web and, and really connect an enormous uh, corporate structure and potentially with all your customers overseas? Yeah, connectivity is a, a constant conversation um, within the co-op and we have one end of the spectrum to the other. So we have growers out there that have amazing connectivity um, and then we have other growers, we hear stories that, you know, they, st they still have to get in the car and drive up the top of the hill with their laptop because they can't get connectivity at their house. So it's a big challenge. It's something CBH is always looking at. The challenges lie in that, unfortunately, some of the areas that we farm are not populated enough for a big telco to be able to make putting fibre out here uh, profitable. And, and we cover such a large area. We're looking at lots of different ways that we can help growers um, with connectivity. And we don't necessarily have to always do everything by ourselves. There's, there's a lot of companies out there that are bringing alternate solutions to connectivity. Um, and there's several examples of that throughout Western Australia. Just keeping, I guess, our finger on the pulse there. And if we can anyway facilitate or, or help already established um, organisations out there that benefits WA growers, well, CBH is always happy to play a role in that as well. 
Look, connectivity is just one of the challenges facing the grain industry and indeed most agricultural industries in Australia because we are so export internationally focused. What are some of the big challenges currently facing grain? Yeah, well, I think that the number one would have to be the coronavirus this year. So that's been a massive challenge and just absolutely um, appreciative of everything the CBH group has done. Management just transitioned to from working from head office to home seamlessly. We actually continued exporting. We were breaking records with grain going out of our ports and we were very fortunate to be in the, the food industry that, that there was a real demand for food. So there was a lot of procedure put in place to make sure that we didn't have to close our ports at any time due to infection. And, and to date, we haven't had one coronavirus case within the CBH group. We also have offices internationally and those measures extended internationally to our offices. I, I think the second major challenge today for Australian growers or West Australian growers is we compete with a lot of lower cost origins um, and the Black Sea is a great example. They can produce grain a lot cheaper than what we can. They have soils that are much more fertile and our one big positive we've got going for us is that we are closer to our main markets in Southeast Asia. So it's really important that we keep driving efficiencies in the business because we are competing for the same markets as these low cost margins producing places. Well, you've talked about the coronavirus and obviously the uh, periodic trading hurdles that are thrown in front of you. And then there's obviously weather and all manner of other things. For you, how important a factor is being a cooperative in helping the resilience of your members and your business? Yeah, I, I think it's the absolute number one reason. And it's it's why um, I'm sitting at the boardroom table. That's what led me to become a director was during the last corporatisation bid. I really wanted to get involved and protect the co-op structure. I, I think any other structure will will lead to rising costs because the, the business suddenly changes to becoming from becoming value driven to return value to the growers, it pivots to become a profit generating business to give profits to external shareholders. The only reason, the only way those profits can be generated are from um, increasing costs to growers. So the CBH group, I think, is absolutely a vital part of keeping WA grain growers internationally competitive. It flows right through our communities and successful WA farming industry. There's a lot of support services around that in our local communities. So it leads right through the community to sustainable communities, uh, keeps more kids in our schools, more members in our sporting clubs. So it's just the CBH group plays such an important role right throughout regional grain growing Western Australia. We're talking with Pete Lewis and hearing the inspiring personal story of Natalie Browning of CBH. Don't forget you can watch this as a video on our website as our Cooperative Farming podcast series continues. Now, look, it's interesting that you you said you were prepared to put your hand up and get on the board and uh, actually have a very active say in the future direction. I understand that a teenage Natalie wasn't necessarily aimed and ready to be fired into a, into a farming anything. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's right, Peter. Um, Pete, so I married into farming. So I met my husband very young at, at the age of 17. My, I always grew up in a regional community. My parents are small business owners. So it's, it's been great to be on both sides of the fence from living in a regional community as a small business owner 
now being a farmer. When I, when I met my husband, I originally trained as a nurse and I met my husband and I began working on the farm and I enjoyed it more and more. Just absolutely loved it. Very, I'm a very practical outdoor sort of person. Um, and it just developed from there. I um, re- resigned from nursing and went on a trip to Canada with my, wasn't my husband back then, but my, my partner and another couple. And we actually did a grain harvest on a Canadian farm. Um, and that was the first time I realised what a, an amazing setup CBH was. And I grew a lot of interest looking into CBH. And from there, I joined the Grow Advisory Council CBH, which I sat on for 18 months. Um, and then during the corporatisation bid, I put my hand up for the board not with an expectation as to whether I would get on or not, but we'll call for diversity, which comes in all forms. So if we want diversity people on our board, we need diverse people standing. So I even thought if I didn't get on the board, maybe it would encourage more growers to want to get involved with their co-op. Look, it's often said that if you really want to get things done, uh, particularly in the bush, you find the busiest person you can and give them something extra to do. Let's have a look at this. You've got the farming business. You're the mother of three primary school kids. You are currently studying for a Bachelor of Commerce. Uh, you're in the management of CBH and all that entails, as, as you've outlined. I guess the burning question on everybody's lips is um, uh, how do you keep all those balls in the air? Yeah, yeah I'm uh, sort of doing everything at once there. It wasn't what I envisaged. I, when I started my degree, I thought I would upskill while my children were young and I might go off and do something later on in life. But one corporatisation bid and that changed there. So I'm really lucky. I think there's two, there's two key things. The first is I'm, I'm passionate and I absolutely love everything I do. And it's such a privilege to be in a leadership role at CBH. It, it's a role that not a lot of people get to experience so I'm just driven to make sure that I've got the skills I need to manage um, or to help govern our co-op and help steer it forward so I think you know my accounting and business law degree bachelor of commerce that really equips me with the skills I need in the boardroom everything sort of works around that and I've, I've got an amazing support network around me and that's why I can do what I can do so my, my three kids are Chloe's five Noah is 10 and Jace is 12. And yeah, we've got an amazing support network. Um, my husband, both sets of grandparents. I actually have someone on the farm that is employed full-time to give to give me a hand. So when I'm off at, in meetings in Perth, it's actually my auntie. She comes in the house and does all the daily jobs, the cooking and cleaning and uh, making, looking after the kids. Yeah, my, my kids have got a fantastic school, I've got a fantastic group of friends. So I'm just really fortunate that I've got a great support network and allows me to do what I love. And I guess in a sense, you are the manifestation of, uh, of the, the ideals of getting as younger people as possible involved as early as possible and women with all the skill set that they bring. And I guess it's a big organisation that can facilitate all those kinds of things and encourage uh, people like you, where you live, to be involved in something as big as CBH. Yeah, absolutely. When I joined the board a bit under three years ago, it was really important as the the first female um, grower director in the co-op's history. And, and I don't know if I was the youngest director, but probably one of the youngest director on the board. It was really important that I did a good job and, and represented that, you know, it's good to have diversity on the board. And as a co-op, we need to make sure that we're equipping our skill base, uh, our grower base, sorry, with the, the skills they need so they can come through and govern our co-op in the future. 
and we've got a big role that starts at grassroots levels in the communities. We've actually just had our, our second female grower director ever appointed to the board just a few days ago. So that's fantastic. And we've tried to create an environment that supports diversity, um, but you can, I don't think you can ever force it because we want to attract the best that we've got to govern our co-op, such a valuable asset. So to see the diversity starting to happen naturally and, and for CBH being really committed to do everything we can to support um, the development of our growers and, and attract people to want to put their hand up and help steer this co-op for the future, is, it's a great thing to be a part of. Do you get a sense there are other agricultural commodity groups within your own state and in other parts of Australia that have a bit of a look over the fence at what CBH has done and, and what they're doing and thinks we really need to uh, attach a set of jumper leads to this mob. We can learn, learn a bit from them. Yeah, absolutely. And we encourage other grain businesses, globalised grain businesses, to come and trade in the West Australian market. And if you take our marketing and trading arm, for an example, um, buying the West Australian crop, it create, you've got to take on huge risk to do that. And while we mitigate that risk as much as possible, CBH actively encourages other buyers to come into the market. And, and you know, we sort of aim to buy between 30 and 60% of the crop. But we actually need these other grain producers to want to buy our grain to export internationally. So that's really important. And, and I think there always is a little bit of tension there when, when other, other corporate companies would probably like to crack the WA market in a bigger way, whether it's storage and handling or other ways. But I just believe that CBH it needs to be protected. And we've seen the corporatisation happen in other states in Western Australia and their costs have rise significantly because of it. So as a, as a volume-based business, the, you know, the revenue generated is solely reliant on the size of the WA crop. It, it's so important that we protect the co-op and it, it's solely there to benefit the growers, not for any other reason. And there are some areas within the business that we absolutely need other companies to come and give us a hand with and give WA growers a hand with, but we, we also need to protect the core meaning of our business. Uh, Natalie, with, with the vantage point that you've had now as a board member and now as deputy chair, do you think you're farming better, differently? Does it, has it had an effect having that sort of helicopter view of the whole game onto what you're actually doing back on the ground? I think some of the values are very similar within the CBH group, probably what we adopt on our farm. And I think uh, efficiency is absolutely a key. And um, sometimes simplicity and simplicity and, and driving efficiencies to make your business as profitable as possible. And we talk about areas of innovation and technology. There's a lot of different innovation and technology and, and farming practices getting trialled these days. And I think if you, you're going to adopt innovation and technology, it's got to bring value to your business and it's got to return, help you to become more profitable. So that's very similar on the farm to, to in CBH. There's a massive amount of innovation out there. You talk of things about artificial intelligence and autonomous practices. We've just got to be careful with CBH that anything that we adopt, we always have to be looking to innovate. Anything we adopt must return value to our growers. And sometimes it's better to be a fast follower and let other people trial that innovation and and once it's proven, be ready to adopt that for the benefit of our growers. So I, I think the same principles there, farming as to CBH. Is, it, is there something that's particularly caught your eye though and really captured your imagination that you think this might be the next big thing that Carl and I have got to look at 
and look at trying to fund. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think uh, there's a big push in the tech space um, and innovation space for use of autonomous vehicles on farm, the use of drones to check crops. And we are very cautiously standing on the sideline, really watching and really keeping up to speed with what's happening. But we, we don't believe it's at a place yet where it's going to return a lot of value to our business. There's a, a few little challenges with drones, really simple stuff like battery life and, and, and things like that. Connectivity, once again, sometimes you need to be attached to Wi-Fi to be able to use your drone. Looking forward, we just want that to be proven before we spend the money on it for our business. Look, so much of what you do uh, as grain growers is focused very clearly on export markets. And I guess you indicated a little earlier that, you know, the primary challenge in 2020 uh, has been how to manage your way through uh, the coronavirus uh, challenges. I guess you probably see that as being a continuing challenge now uh, as we move through this, uh, the balance of uh, 2020 and this harvest season well into the future. How important has the support from state and federal governments, those authorities, in A, declaring agriculture an essential service, and B, really trying to put a foundation and support uh, to exporters, food exports? Yeah, absolutely critical. So we have very positive relationships um, with our government counterparts and their support throughout the coronavirus has been greatly appreciated. And we have storage for 20 million tonne of grain storage. But if, if something had happened and our ports had have been shut down and we weren't able to export and, and the CBH group wasn't able to, to generate uh, the revenue it needed through marketing and trading, it wouldn't take too long before you'd come across some significant challenges. And, and I'm, I'm sure we'd do everything we could if we had to receive another harvest on top of that. The CBH group is really well equipped to handle a crisis such like this or something we talk about black swan events. This had the potential to be a black swan event where our revenue could have been cut off. And this is why, you know, at times the CBH balance sheet um, can be criticised. You know, it's called a fat and lazy balance sheet. But the co-op is deliberately conservative and our balance sheet must be resilient enough to be able to suffer these shocks and survive. We're different to corporate structures where you're, you're really um, restricted in ways which you can raise capital. We don't want to raise fees to growers and selling off some of our asset base, you know, our storage and handling facilities is just not an option. So we, we make sure that as a business, we are resilient enough to get through some really, really tough times and that this co-op can exist for as far as I want forever into the future. So I guess one of the clever things that CBH has done is really establish themselves in some of those key markets with very rock solid partnerships, which I guess at times of uncertainty are really part of your uh, insurance. Yes, yeah, spot on. And our marketing and trading arm of the business have done an amazing job there. And particularly in one of our main grain trading markets, Southeast Asia. So the value relationships are highly, highly valued. And the CBH group has built up some really long-term relationships. We're known as a reliable supplier of grain and good quality grain. And that really helped us throughout the coronavirus when perhaps some areas of the world hadn't had the best harvest the, the season before. Buyers were looking to shore up their supplies um, and we absolutely benefited from that throughout the coronavirus period. And those relationships played a big part in that. So it's something, it's, it's as big as culture, I think. Culture and relationships is yeah, massively important. 
Yeah, it's interesting that you brought the conversation back to culture because it's fair to say that many co-ops succeed or fail because of the sweat equity involved in them. What social value is created through your cooperative? You've talked a little bit about it already, but I think it's probably yep. worth hearing a little bit about how it fits into the whole jigsaw puzzle of ag in WA and beyond. Yep. Yeah, it's something that the social value is always at front of mind and we've got to be able to demonstrate to growers why the CBH group and its business structure is the best structure for WA growers. There's a a few things that jump to mind and one particularly being a younger grower. I sometimes think that if we don't continue into championing our model and champion why we were created in the first place, I fear sometimes that that could get lost amongst a younger generation that actually we forgot that CBH Group was formed because the the cost of storage, storing and handling grain was so high. So I've said to people before, I believed if CBH ever got corporatised, well, probably in another 50 years, a group of farmers would start another co-op. So it would do full circle, I think. We've always got to make sure that our growers understand the the co-op model and the benefits of co-op model. And I I think sometimes people that want to corporatise prey on that a bit because everybody understands how the corporate model works. There's, and I I know through my university studies, the co-op model is not something that's taught academically enough. And we we need to get better at that to people to understand the cooperative models, the benefits of that. So just continually making sure our growers are informed and making sure our co-op is transparent with why we're here, how we operate with growers. It's really important. And if we ever lose our social license and our culture heads in the wrong direction, it often, as I said earlier, those frictions turn into factions and it can lead to the demise of a co-op. And I don't think we'd realise until we lost it how amazing it was. So we've just got to yeah, make sure we've got the, the best people to, to govern and run the co-op and, and just demonstrate to growers why we're here. And look, I guess part of the, the CBH story is some of the remarkable individuals who've made a contribution uh, throughout that time. And I, look, I, I just love the story of the guy who flew to Europe to borrow money for the port of Quinana and um, obviously came under some fairly strident criticism. But how did, just tell us how that paid off. Yeah, and I don't have all the details, but I was lucky enough at a CB, the CBH group holds a over 25 year dinner every year for people that have been employed for more than 25 years. And I actually met one of the men that flew over to Europe and got this loan. And our Quinana terminal at one stage, it was, you know, the biggest port in the Southern Hemisphere. To have, to be brave enough to, I think it was the biggest loan in Western Australia or Australia at the time. And to be brave enough to make that move, and I will I'll go out on a limb and say that is our number one strategic asset, is Quinana Port, is quite astounding. And they actually flew over and uh, I believe they got the loan in Swiss francs and there was a, a bit of trouble with that when they converted the money. I'm, I'm not sure of the exact details, but apparently they, they got the money and they, they built Quinana Port. I was down there last week, an amazing asset. And came under scrutiny, as every big decision does. And CBH Group wouldn't be what it is today without Quinana Port. So just, yeah, just absolutely full of admiration for the people that had the courage to do that and do it successfully. No guts, no glory. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It's been great talking to you, Natalie. My final question is, along this amazing journey that you've had, and an unlikely one uh, in some regards, what's the one big lesson that you've learned 
that would help our farm audience uh, watching today? What's the best bit of advice or what's the best, who's the best mentor? And particularly for those thinking about joining a cooperative or creating a cooperative. Yeah, well, well, I think um, being a part of a cooperative is such a rewarding experience. My biggest piece of advice is obviously you, you need to get your governance right and your culture right. And to form a cooperative and to be involved in, in the governance of a cooperative, you've got to be prepared to make the tough decisions. And sometimes those decisions are unpopular amongst some of the growing base, but they must be made in the best interest of the co-op. And that's a constant thing that um, as a director, you've always got to make sure you're protecting and you're governing your co-op as a whole to ensure it's long-term success. So you've got to be brave enough to make those decisions that you might get a bit of short-term pushback on um, and some negativity from the grower base. But if you truly believe you're making the decisions in the, in the best sense of the co-op, yeah, it's a lot easier to, to sleep at night when, when that criticism comes in. So. It's not, not always a, an easy gig, but it's just one of the most, or yeah, probably the most rewarding thing I do in my life is to be able to represent WA growers and, and be a part of the leadership group. It's amazing. Well, look, it's been amazing talking to you, Natalie. It's just, it's a great story. Um, I think it's a timely one too, a timely sort of inspiration for a lot of people who are maybe questioning where their business and commodity section is heading. So it's uh, it's been a real delight. And uh quite amazing really we were able to uh, wedge our way into what is obviously the busiest schedule in western australia right now <laughs> good luck with all those projects you've got on the home front and beyond academia and obviously your your board your board duties and uh, obviously it goes without saying all the best for this next harvest yeah thanks very much pete and thanks for having me today it's been great to talk to you our pleasure entirely natalie browning everybody One of the really interesting aspects of this conversation is the topic of sharing data for collective advantage. It has its pros and cons, but most would agree that it's one of the big opportunities to keep Australian farmers competitive globally. If you're interested in this topic, we brought together a group of experts to explore what shared data could do for farming in a cooperative context. You can watch this excellent roundtable on demand at our website, coopfarming.com. Here's a sneak peek from farmer and former chair of CBH, Wally Newman. On my own farm here, we're using communications. We've got Wi-Fi over 20,000 acres of land here, so we can have live streaming video, and we also have what we call low-ran, which is for monitors for flow meters, uh, tell you whether gates are open or closed, how much feeds in stock feeders, water tank levels, all that sort of stuff. You can find out more about the fantastic benefits of cooperative farming and how to realise the incredible potential for your farm business. And don't forget to subscribe now to this series and rate us. You'll learn the benefits, tips and techniques of cooperatives as we future-proof Aussie farmers. Join us at coopfarming.coop. And in our next episode, we talk with the colourful Roger Long, his chairman of the Limestone Coast Fishermen's Cooperative. Remember, in a challenging world, we're all better together. I'm Melina Morrison. Thanks for listening. <music>